Welcome to episode five of the Prop Shop. We are four weeks into the NFL season, but really quick, a word from our sponsor, Eric LeGrand, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Raise a glass to giving back. Every purchase of Eric LeGrand's premium Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey directly supports community members living with paralysis. Our whiskey is made of choice heart, heartland-grown corn, limestone-purified water, and the freshest rye and barley available. When you pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrand bourbon, we make a donation to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, so you enjoy the finest bourbon around, and you also lend a helping hand. Pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrand Premium Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey today, and cheers to a cause. Please enjoy responsibly. Produced by LeGrand Spirits, distilled in Owensburg, Kentucky, bottled in Bardstown, Kentucky. It is 88 proof by volume, and it is Friday. I could use myself one of those right now really quickly we do have a guest today i will bring him in shortly normally i do an opening monologue our opening thoughts but this week since we are a quarter of the way into the season i want to talk about some nfl futures that i think hold some value and now that we've seen uh four games worth of the season we can start deliberating who's at the top of the pack who's at the bottom of the pack and for some of those futures let's talk about super bowl winners you can still get the Buffalo Bills today on DraftKings at plus 750 to win the Super Bowl. The pass rush is becoming more consistent. We've seen that over the first four weeks. Outside of that game against the Jets, I think the Bills are filling in nicely. Yes, they're playing some bad teams. They played the Raiders. Um, they, they beat the Commanders, which you saw last night was not that great. Um, but Von Miller is returning. I like the weapons they have. I think it's the best run game they've had. In these last, call it the Super Bowl era for the Bills, the last three, four years, James Cook is getting it done. Latavius Murphy looks good, and Damian Harris, I think, is hands down better than is that Zach Moss-Devin uh, Singletary combo they've had. So Bills at plus 750. You can still get it on DraftKings. The Lions are 20-1 to 1 on Caesar Sportsbook. They have what I call the recipe for success when it comes to a Super Bowl contender. A QB who's been to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff is playing some of the best football of his career. They have a great run game. I like what they have with Dave Montgomery. Um, they have a top three O-line. This is huge. They have a defensive game wrecker in Aiden Hutchinson. You need that piece to be disruptive on defense. Love the rookie corner branch. Um, they're the best team in their division. I think it's going to come down to Dan Campbell as a head coach. Can he win? That is yet to be seen. But at 20-1, to 1, if we can bet them to win the Super Bowl 20 to 1 and they get into the Super Bowl, you can hedge your bet. You can bet the other side and guarantee yourself some profit. I really like this Detroit Lions team. As the week goes, as the season goes on, you're not going to get 20 to 1 on this Lions team who I think is easily going to win the NFC North. So, 20 to 1 on the Lions feels like a good bet. And then I'm going to give you a dark horse. Yes, I am a Rams fan, but again, in a weak NFC outside of San Fran and Philadelphia. And I don't think Philadelphia's looked overwhelmingly great but they are four and oh nonetheless rams are 60 to one to win the nfc on DraftKings. it is a bit of a homerish pick but the second half of the season really lightens up for them they get the cardinals the commanders the saints and the giants those four seem like wins um can you get to 10 wins nine may even do it to be a wild card team but if they make the playoffs to make the playoffs is plus 250 um they have the head coach presumably stafford will be healthy they have a top five offense, uh, and their defense is playing way better than expectations. Again, this is for them to win the NFC. So if they make the NFC championship game, you can hedge this bet, and it's sixty to one. Once you go Eagles, once you go Eagles and Niners and Lions, the rest of that NFC I think is an open door. So nine or ten wins get you in. With that, let's talk about our guest this week. 
He is a member of the Believe Network hosting Believe Commanders. He is a former NFL wide receivers, formerly of the Redskins, now the Commanders, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Miami Dolphins. A career average, 18.3 yards per reception, West Texas A&M alum, uh, and a damn good real estate agent from what I understand. Anthony Armstrong, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, everybody gets a greeting this morning. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good. It's kind of foggy and starting to feel like October in the state of New Jersey. We're getting a little bit of cool. We're getting that hot weather out the door, um, but I'm liking it. I got my corduroy on. I got an orange hat down there. How are you enjoying as we he- we move through the first quarter of the NFL season? How are you feeling? Man, I'm personally feeling good. Last night had me feeling kind of sick. I was mad. I stayed up and and watched that performance by my team, man. That was that was a little rough. I wasn't wasn't too happy with that. And and that was, I don't want to call it a trap game for Washington. They were five and a half, depending where you got it, six and a half point favorites. They look competitive early on in the season. Then they get arguably the worst team in the NFL who has talent. But yeah. we saw them blow a lead against the Denver Broncos. There was a slight chance they blow that lead last night. But when it all gets put together, they look like a competitive team. Matt Eberflus, if he lost that game, I think he would have been shown the door. That's why I called it a trap game. Um, but they got a lead and they never let up. Is there anything you saw last night that stood out to you on either side of the ball? It, it what stood out to me the most just seemed like Washington's defense just kind of sat there and just kept taking body blows after body blows and didn't really try to make any adjustments. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. how many times are you gonna get beat on a hitch and then they spin to the outside? How many times are you gonna get beat on a double move? And I mean, Chicago came in there fiery, man. They came in there with something to prove and and you mentioned it in your open that Buffalo's defense has gotten off to a, a hot start uh, once they got done playing Washington, putting up nine sacks. And, I mean, it, it, I, I don't want Washington to be that team like everybody schedules for homecoming. And, you know, they expect to get a big win on them whenever they come in town. So, you know, last night was tough to see because you really expected them to, to backdoor the Philly game performance against mm-hmm. a lesser opponent. Um, but yeah. – that did not happen. I I do think the Philly, they just play Philly well. If you remember last year, the uh, the commanders were the team that ruined that perfect season for Philly. Division games are always tough. Um, and then you get a Chicago team where you don't know what to expect. It's a perfect example of why the NFL is, one, it's any given Sunday. All of these teams are talented. It's damn near impossible to go winless. It's damn near impossible to go perfect. And I think last night was a good example of that. But the pieces, for me, the, talking about the commanders, I like a lot of what they have on both sides of the ball. What's going to happen with Chase Young in that fifth-year option? Are they going to pick it up? Are they going to move him for pieces at the deadline? Um, and then offensively, I love Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, Brian Robinson, Antonio. I love the weapons there. Um, what do you think of Sam Howell? I'm curious because he had numbers on paper, but the first half didn't look great. Man, I I like Sam. I mean, I looked at the tape back against uh, the Dallas game. You know, broke it down. It wasn't but seventeen passes, but did a lot of really good things. I mean, you look at that throw to Jahan against Philly, like that was perfect accuracy. He, he he's able to put the ball in the in the right spaces. Uh, but yep. the only issue for him right now is that he doesn't have enough reps. He just needs to see more defenses because every time they were talking about it last night, like rolling safeties, dis- disguising coverages, he hasn't seen all those yet. So, unfortunately, like that's the downside that he has to kind of process it on the go 
whereas you know a more veteran quarterback has seen certain things. And now, mm -hmm. let me don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that they need to go to go to a veteran because veterans are stuck in their ways. But Sam just has yeah. to learn. I think he has a lot of physical traits. He can make all the throws. Uh, but and in hell, he can run. He's actually you know pretty good running the ball in the pocket. So he has a lot of good things about him. He just needs more time, more reps. I think this is the perfect year for the commanders to say, okay, we have this guy on a rookie deal. We have a lot of weapons offensively. They're not a bottom five team in the NFL. I don't believe that. They're not a top five team in the NFL. I also don't believe that. I, I like to call they're a son of a bitch. They're the team you don't want to play in the middle of the year when it gets late. They can put up performances against divisional opponents. Um, and, and I think they're gonna they may they're the team that may play spoiler. But this current draft coming up, it's the perfect opportunity to say, let's give Sam Howell a shot. We may have hit on something here. If we don't, and we're that middle of the pack team, maybe we're between the eighth and the sixteenth pick. This is a great draft to go find somebody, whether that's a Bo Nix, whether that's a Marcus May, um, Quinn Ewers. There's going to be the, the kid from Washington, Penix. There's going to be options for this Washington team to plug and play in the middle of that first round um, and say, hey, listen, we gave Sam Howell a shot. If he's great, awesome. Maybe we give him another year. If not, we have some opportunities in this upcoming draft because we have a talented team across the board. So, um Sucks for last night, but I, I think they're going to be a tough. Uh, they're a tough out every week. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I think I do think that you're right. the The roster is built to you know where you're now. You're one position away. You know, mm -hmm. but but hell, we need that defense to show up and be who we think they are. And and the way it's been so far, it ain't been that. It has not. Now let's look towards Sunday. Anthony, are there any games that stood out to you when you were looking ahead? I know we got a London. We're in the London season. We got yeah. our London games. We have our first round of bye weeks. So we went through four weeks. We now have byes. There are four teams sitting out this week. Offhand, I know it's the Raiders and the Chargers. The other two are escaping me. Any games that you saw this upcoming Sunday that stand out to you as mismatches, possible upsets? You know, there's one that I was just – I think everybody had circled out, out coming off of the offseason was the Jets and the Broncos. Just mm -hmm. wanted to see how that was going to go down, especially because you thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be – uh, out there throwing the rock around for Nathaniel Hackett. But um, you got a feisty, you know, Zach Wilson-led Jets team that they seem to be getting behind this guy. And yeah. that might just be the confidence that he needs. So I, I can't say that necessarily an upset. I mean, hey, Denver just, you know, barely came back to beat Chicago. But Chicago blew out, you know, blew out, <laughs> Chicago blew out Washington. So that's neither here nor there. But that's, that's something that could be interesting to see, just to see how it plays out on the field, because uh, it could be a real turning point for both of those teams this season. No, I agree. And one interesting piece uh, from a player prop perspective, because that's what the show is, Brees Hall is getting the restrictor plate removed. According to Robert Sala, he's not going to have any um, – it's not going to be a split carry with him and Dallin Cook. It is not going to be a, a snap restriction. We may see a full workload of Brees Hall. He's looked good early in the season. He had a massive 80-yard run against Buffalo in week one. Uh, he's definitely been their lead back, but I, I don't fault Dalvin Cook at all for not looking the way he has. That, that Jets offensive line, not great. When you don't have a passing game, they're just stacking eight or nine in the box. So yep. I am excited to see what a bigger sample size of Brees Hall is. I think that line opened up on him at 57 and a half. It's been bet up to 60 and a half. Um, I still kind of like it. Maybe not as heavy as I did at 57 and a half, but yeah. we may see a big dose of Brees Hall this week. Um, yeah, I think I'd definitely take the over on that one. Because really what you're saying is we don't want to put it in Zach's hand as much. 
And we're going to run into some of these eight-man fronts. And you can break some of those if your blocking is sound. So just because it's eight-man boxes doesn't mean you need to automatically switch to pass, and teams know that. So it'd be, it'd be the over for me on that one. When I think like that and I see a quarterback like Zach Wilson, I'm saying, just do, just run play action. Give it once or twice every quarter. Give Show them something to pull down, bring that defense in, and then you break Garrett Wilson deep. And then you bring out Tyler Conklin or Alan Lazard. Um, give him easier throws to make where he doesn't have to get to his third or fourth read. Give him his first option and try to get him as open as possible. So I like that, man. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, really quickly on this show, we go through some player props. I love getting an ex player's perspective. I've had a tight end. I've had a former D tackle and Eric Legrand. Uh, last week I had Glover Quinn, a safety. Now I have a wide receiver. I have an offensive mind and I want to get your perspective on a few. I want to open up with Dalton Kincaid, the tight end for the Buffalo bills. Now I'm going on his receptions prop. This line is at over two and a half. It's like minus 150. It's fully juiced. I'm getting away from the juice. I'm going to play his alt lines. Kincaid at four plus receptions is two to one. Five plus receptions is plus 450. Six plus receptions is plus 1075. And seven plus receptions is plus 1650. It gets a little crazy towards the end, but hear me out. He's hit four plus receptions in three or four games. Playing a Jacksonville Jaguars team, yes, they are in London, ranked 31st in targets per game to opposing tight ends. I think he's going to get some looks. Dawson Knox has been limited all week in practice, so he may go. If he goes, he may have a limited snap count. He may not suit up. That's best-case scenario for this play. Um, but I, I gave this out on Tuesday, Wednesday on my Twitter. Some of these lines are gone as far as value. I think four and five receptions are very, very real, and the, and the odds are um, – Desirable, I would say. What do you think of Kincaid? What have you seen from him early on, the rookie tight end from Buffalo? Oh, he's 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 a talented player because he's talented enough to where they essentially removed the third receiver from their base offense, right? Him and Dawson Knox have been a huge part of making Josh Allen uh, take down his risk tolerance you know what I mean he, he's able to throw it to tight ends and make safer throws and getting more manageable down and distances which makes mm -hmm. him that much more dangerous right so uh then you throw in the fact that you are not, not more than a road trip you're going on a damn excursion uh you got to travel across the pond change time zones get reacclimated yep. you basically want to make this easy on your guy to get going so to me it makes a lot of sense to try to lean on the run get the ball to the tight ends and let things open up as they go so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that four to five. Seven would be if he just gets to cooking. But, you know, if you're feeling froggy, seven. maybe you go there. But four or five makes a lot of sense. Four and five is definitely in the realm of possibility. Six or seven means Dawson Knox is declared out and Kincaid is the solo tight end. Is that possible? Yes, but he's been limited. He's been participating. I'd be curious how he looks on a uh, on an injury report today. Friday's always the big day for injury reports. So that's Kincaid. Let's go with a little more well-known gentleman who just returned last week in Alvin Kamara. Over 24 and a half receiving yards at minus 110. That's the, that's the layup. That's the easy play. Let's move up that ladder. 50 plus receiving yards is plus 475. And a, and a whopping 75 receiving yards is plus 550. That one, you put a couple bucks on it. You don't go crazy. But when it comes to Kamara, last week, 14 targets, 13 receptions, but a measly 33 yards. It wasn't anything impressive. I think those targets come down, but I think the yards go up against this New England Patriots defense. Kamara, for his career, averages five receptions 
and 42 and a half receiving yards per game. That's a big sample size. This isn't just last year in a bubble. I'm talking his whole career, 42 receiving yards. Patriots should be without edge rusher Matthew Judon. Christian Gonzalez, the corner, the rookie corner, played well. He's gone for the season. I think that's going to open things up for Alave and Mike Thomas. In turn, gives Kamara a shot at some explosive plays if they can get the wide receivers going. I was watching that Saints game last week. Alave, I think, kind of just gave up. He's like, I'm not blocking anymore. I'm sick of this shit. He's got four, he had 14 targets and 13 receptions, and I'm begging for the ball over here. Uh, but 24 and a half seems low for me for Kamara. Well, you know, the one thing about playing New England is that Bill Belichick is going to have a plan to stop somebody. All right. And if you're coming into the matchup where you literally just gave Alvin Kamara 14 targets, 13 receptions, like you just said, he's going to circle stopping Alvin Kamara. He already knows he doesn't have one of his pass rushers. Um, and maybe he's going to play some more zones and, and some unique matchups to force the ball out of his hands. Make, they just got J.C. Jackson. He, and Bill Belichick is the best at not paying his guys, letting them go get paid somewhere else, and then bringing them back in the Bring house. And then, get, and then they're going to go back to that level of play because they understand the system. So to me, I think the under might be might be the the play simply because they're going to make it difficult and if he does get over he might it might be cuz he broke a screen or something like that but Bill's not going to let you pick him apart with 14 uh targets. Generally I I can't disagree with you there. Belichick is known whatever you're good at he's going to take that away from you. So Kamara stands out but maybe that first half gets quiet but if Olave and Mike Thomas get going there's going to be an adjustment somewhere on the Belichick side. Maybe that frees up Kamara in the second half. I do want to ask you, I, I don't think you've ever played for, I mean, I know you haven't played for Bill Belichick in your career. Some people are split. When you hear ex-players, some people are like, I loved it. It was football 24-7. It was championship mode. And then some players are like, I don't want to be there, man. That shit was not fun. Do you wish you ever got to play for a Bill Belichick type coach? You know, ironically enough, so I, I I didn't play for Bill Belichick. I had a workout with the Patriots. Um, it was kind of I don't know. It was kind of weird, but like I I was looking forward to it because they won. And and I think that when you were on maybe a bad team or just a different organization, and you go somewhere where it's very you know very much regimented, you need that structure for you to be the most successful. And it makes sense because they're winning. Right. Maybe it's not so fun whenever you're like, you know, one in 10, like that's that stuff don't ride when you're sorry. Right. But the closest mm -hmm. I've been to a Bill Belichick led uh, team was being under the, the Dolphins when it was Tony Sperano, Bill Parcells regime. So coming into the league with that, seeing how you've got players moving every single week, I was like, oh, my God, I need to be the, like good at my job, because if I drop yeah. a pass. I'm gone. Like that's how fast people were turning. Being 15 minutes early is late type of a thing. Like that high level of of just excellence. Um, I mean, they turned a you know one in 15 team to an eight and eight or nine and seven team. So it was the biggest turnaround in NFL history. Uh, but you know, it's a tough thing to it's tough. It's it's tough to be in if you're not winning. Let me leave it at that. That makes a lot of sense. And to be, I I, I hate. And I don't want to say I hate. We're here to talk about picks, but sometimes when I talk to these ex players, I go off the rails because there's there's just stuff I gotta know. Was Bill like what was Bill Parcells like? Honestly, Bill Parcells was it was it was like an honor to meet him, you know, because he's a storybook figure. And then you get there and he's like, You went to West Texas AM, and then that had Joe Kerbal when it was West Texas State and 
that was Dwayne, no, not Dwayne Thomas, but Mercury Morris. Mercury Morris went there. He played for the Dolphins. So he's like six degrees of separation, six degrees of separation with Bill Parcells. Um, he, he, you feel like you already know him a little bit, even though it's the mm-hmm. first time you met him. So that was my like one couple times to talk with him, and it was it was a good experience. That's pretty cool. That's definitely pretty cool. One of the guys whose reputa- reputation precedes itself. Um, he's the big tuna man. All right, let's go into my next play. It is a divisional matchup, a running back for the Baltimore Ravens, Gus Edwards, over forty three and a half rushing yards. Now. This feels a lot to me about the Damian Pierce play I had last week. I bet Damian Pierce of the Texans, he didn't break out through the first three weeks. I think he had a really good matchup against the Steelers, and he did. I think he finished with 81 yards. His over-under was set at 41.5, 42.5. I'm riding with Gus Edwards this week against the Steelers again. Now, he's coming off his highest snap count of the season. Did an excellent job in pass protection against Cleveland last week. Uh, he kept uh, he kept Lamar Jackson upright. He was going to get crushed on one play. That type of stuff buys you more snaps. And now he's going against TJ Watt this week. So I think he's going to f- uh, see another 50-60% of the offensive snaps. He's had double-digit carries in three straight weeks. Um, and he's had some of his best games in his career against the Steelers. So big dose of uh, Gus Edwards at over 43 and a half and then the alt lines 50 plus it's just a it's a door over at plus 135 for the 50 plus and then we we talk 75 plus uh plus 500 i think he's had well over 100 yards once against the steelers but it's been done and then if he goes 100 plus it's 15 to 1 this is when you bring that dollar amount down yeah. uh but what do you think of gus edwards in a divisional matchup steelers at home against baltimore one of the most physical rivalries in football and it's because they run the ball and hit each other really hard um to to negate a tj watt and to negate a mink minka fitzpatrick you're gonna have to keep the ball on the ground and to me that's what you got that's what they're gonna do and and letting russ uh letting russ letting gus get rolling letting the bus gus get going uh is gonna be the big play you know Uh, because obviously minka fitzpatrick is gonna have his eyes all over zay flowers and you don't want to get into a situation where you let tj watt do what he does best like i mean seriously hey we're gonna pass it three downs in a row that don't make that much sense right get your other players involved run the ball getting those good down and distances, let Mark Andrews do his thing. Uh, and that'll help keep that team off, uh, keep the Steelers off balance. And frankly, I think that Baltimore should win this game and could be in a situation where they are trying to control the clock more rather than having to throw it all day. I agree. And I think especially when you're playing these divisional matchups, you tend to get a little bit more conservative. These wins matter in December and January yep. when we're talking about seeding and playoff hopes. Um, especially in that AFC North. Cleveland looks yep. good. Bengals have not looked good, but at no point am I going to count them out. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be a game management situation. 43 and a half seems low for a guy I think is going to be on the field, even on third down. So we like Gus Edwards. We climb the ladder all the way up. And then we go to a man that needs no introduction. Patty Mahomes, Minnesota. I think it's the highest total of the week. It's like 52 and a half, something like that. Over two and a half passing touchdowns, so him to throw three is plus one thirty-five. And I know you know I don't know if you bet a lot, Anthony. We love the plus money. I don't want to give that juice back. I don't want to pay taxes. That's what that's what negative juice is. I'm not I'm, betting. I'm minus with you. I'm with so you. We're going that. plus one. That's taxes to me. We're going to go plus one thirty-five on over two and a half touchdowns if he throws four, which he hasn't done yet this season. But it's Mahomes uh, plus four seventy-five, and if we get a Mahomes epic game throw five touchdowns it's 15 to one 
the reason I like Mahomes, he's thrown two plus in three or four games, three plus only once, but now he's getting a really good matchup. He's getting a break here with the Minnesota Vikings. They've given up three touchdowns to Justin Herbert. They gave up two to Baker. Um, historically, believe it or not, Mahomes has a better touchdown and interception ratio on the road than at home. He's playing inside a dome. Um, this has a 50% hit rate. So 22 of 44 career road games, he's had three or more touchdowns. At plus 135, implied probability says it's a 43% chance of happening. Well, it's actually happened 50% of his career. I'm calling that value, Anthony. So plus 135 on him to throw over two and a half touchdowns against this Vikings defense. Honestly, I think that's easy money. That sounds like easy <laughs> money. You did all the analysis for me where the, the, the equations were going across with it. Two and a half, and especially you're looking at that defense, how how the Chargers kind of lit them up. Now, yep. you know, she, the Chiefs don't have that same receiving core, but like you said, it's Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, they're so creative with their offenses where he could throw a, a one-yard touchdown pass, and that will count. Nobody's going to negate that to you, right? That's going to – he's going to get his numbers uh, because that's what Andy Reid's going to do for his guys. So uh, easy money, that two and a half. And I, and I can see you getting to that four. I think you could get into that four plus, you know. I, so I think five is very, five is almost too real. too rich for my blood. Five is too, I have to put it there to give people the option. I lay out a buffet. You take what you want. You leave what you don't want. But sure. I like to give the option. Uh, one of the highlights of the show, Anthony, is a alt line parlay of the week. So we do a parlay. You're obviously familiar with parlays, but we take a couple of the alt lines we talked about. We string them together. We get some crazy odds. One of which Dalton Kincaid, five plus receptions. I think we said that was a real possibility. Um, Gus Edwards, 50 plus rushing yards. His line's 43 and a half. Him getting to 50. I don't think that's crazy. Robert Woods, not someone we talked about today. Um, I mentioned him on a show I did earlier this morning on BetQL, but I'll bring it up really quickly. Robert Woods playing the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Atlanta's done a damn good job of funneling targets to the middle of the field, defending that perimeter very well. Cornerback A.J. Terrell playing some of the best football of his career. He's playing like an elite shutdown corner. Calvin Ridley had a 30-yard reception against him last week, and then you didn't hear Calvin Ridley's name for the rest of the game. So I like Robert Woods to benefit. So Woods, five receptions. Kincaid, five receptions. Edwards, 50-plus rushing. A $25 bet pays $574. Now, that is not going to pay the mortgage, but it may get you groceries for a week. So 25 pays $574 on the alt-line parlay of the week. And any comments on the parlays? I don't know how much you dabble in the parlay game. I like I like the parlays, frankly. I'm always a parlay guy. I like to put the whole week to, if I can, see if I can hit all all the games. But uh, I've I've learned that those afternoon games get a little squirrely, man. So I try to stay keep them in one block. Like give me the twelves at once, and then mm. we separate from there. Uh, and I've been like one or two off. But this, I mean, this one makes a lot of sense. We already said Gus Edwards is going to get some action. Kincaid should get some action because they're trying to get some stability uh, on the road across the pond. And Robert Woods is just a, a, a solid receiver that's going to find his way open. Um, and your reasoning is sound. Okay, your reasoning and is sound. I'll take that play. I like it. I like it. As a former wide receiver, you got to appreciate guys like Robert Woods. They don't get the same type of – um, they don't get the same headlines as a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, but I think Robert Woods is one of the best wide receivers in the league. Just he does everything. He blocks extremely well. He's taken yeah. when he was on the Rams, he was taking balls out of the backfield. He's the vet in this locker room for the Nico Collins, Tank Dell, CJ Stroud. 
Um, and he's still second on the team in targets. So I like him in a spot where his normal line is three and a half receptions. Let's give him one more against a Falcons team that's really going to try to funnel that middle of the field and take away the perimeter. So it doesn't seem that out of the question for Woods, who's still fairly young. I think he's like 30, 31. Um, well, go ahead. You're going to say something about the age. I, I appreciate you calling that fairly young. I'm at 30, I'm 34, 31. man. I'm not... <laughs> okay, so you can appreciate that as well. But I did, I did have my eyes on that Houston uh, in Atlanta matchup, those two teams. Tra- somebody's trying to get traction in the in the AFC South. Like, who's going to be the guy? And I I thought coming into the season that Houston was going to be a sneaky team, uh, kind of how Detroit was last year. Because I thought Houston okay. played scrappy, and yep. they just were missing a little bit of a little bit of something. Now CJ Stroud's really shown up, and it has been a really good addition. Uh, and then you added D'Amico Ryan's his energy. There's a lot of good things that should be going on down in East Town. I, I love Houston this year. I think they I think they can get to seven or eight wins, which would be a massive success for D'Amico Ryans in his first year. Yeah. Now, they're on a two-game win streak. C.J. Stroud is hands-down favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think Puka is going to come back down to earth now that Cup is back. But yeah. Stroud is is the odds-on favorite. Um, and we're going to find what they're about. They they won last week against the Steelers, in, and, and I had uh, Glover Quinn telling me, it was to induct J.J. Watt into the ring of fame for Houston. So you won at home in a great atmosphere. Now you're going on the road against an Atlanta team, which offensively, outside of B.J. Rob- uh, B. John Robinson doesn't impress me. Defensively, that secondary has been very impressive. Mm. We're going to learn a lot about the Texans on the road this week. They're a three-point underdog, and they're begging to be bet. So I, I like that you brought that up. Yeah, it's, they're, they're a solid team. They, they're, on, they're on their way up. And they, they could really upset some people this year and maybe sneak into a wild card. Anthony, I know you got a role and we got to talk touchdown scores. I thank you so much for joining, man. I greatly appreciate this. You are always welcome on the prop shop. I'd love to have you back. You got a little bit more time. But thank you for the analysis. Um, and make sure you are watching uh, Believe Commanders on Believe Network, co-hosted by Anthony Armstrong. Thank you, man. Yes, indeed. Appreciate y'all. Have a good day. And I'll see you on the next one. Take care, brother. All right, we are down to talking touchdown scores. This is the bread and butter. I'm going to wrap this up for you guys and put a bow on it with our top shelf touchdown scores. The first one we just talked about, Bijan Robinson. He is the heart of this Atlanta Falcons offense, uh, which is going to need to put some points on the board, I think, against Houston. Robinson has one touchdown on the year, and it's in the passing game, believe it or not. But we've seen his rushes uptick over the last two weeks against a Texans team that's allowed seven rushing touchdowns on the season, two of which to quarterbacks, but five of which to running backs. Uh, I think B. John Robinson gets it in. It's plus 115. And then another guy we talked about earlier in the pod, Gus Edwards of the Baltimore Ravens, plus 180 on Edwards, coming off the highest snap count. Um, he had one touchdown on the season, but he faces a Steelers defense that's more of the copper curtain than the steel one in 2023. They've allowed three touchdowns to opposing running backs and in Edwards career against the Steelers he has two touchdowns and three career starts so uh, Edwards gets one in at plus 180 let's move to the mid shelf where I've added three this week normally we go two 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 Atwell of the LA Rams plus 220 now Cooper Cup is coming back but he's going to be on a pitch count from what I understand he was on a pitch count all week in practice the Eagles defense has a weakness it is that secondary they've given up seven touchdowns two opposing wide receivers in four games now atwell had one brought back on monday night football that he ran in on an end around um i actually thought he scored on that but other than that he has one receiving one on the season i would not be shocked if we see 
screen the Cooper Cup lateral, and then two two Atwell takes the top off the defense as a shock play in the first half of this LA Rams uh Eagles game. So Cooper Cup to Atwell, you don't get extra points for guessing that right, but I think that's what's gonna happen because they're all gonna be focusing on Cup and his return. Uh give me Atwell plus two twenty to score. Dalton Kincaid talked about him earlier. It's three to one for Kincaid to get his first touchdown of the season uh playing that Jags defense giving up the second most targets to opposing tight ends if Dawson Knox doesn't go this is fantastic value because Knox owns the red zone receptions um I would love to see him out obviously I don't want to see him hurt but I would love to see him out and it opens up for Kincaid to get his first study of the year and then revenge factor Jarek McKinnon of the Kansas City Chiefs playing his old team the Minnesota Vikings he has never played the Vikings in his career and he gets them in Minnesota, um, he has two touchdowns on the season. Uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Armstrong talked about earlier, uh, it's going to be a short pass in the red zone, but that's where McKinnon gets involved. It's going to add to Mahomes' touchdowns. It's going to catch this one at plus 310 for McKinnon. I think he scores against the Minnesota Vikings. And I did something different for Welvaca this week. Um, sorry, let's... I, I did something different for the Welvaca scores this week. I'm going... Two touchdowns for Gus Edwards. So we had talked about one at the top shelf. Two touchdowns for Gus Edwards is plus 1,200 on DraftKings. And then two touchdowns for Bijan Robinson against his Texans defense is plus 650. So instead of going pick a guy who plays 10% of the snaps and hope he gets a red zone target, we're going to go with guys who are on the field all the time. I think they're going to score one, and we're going to sprinkle on their long shot odds to score two. Guys, that is the week five Prop shop. We have given out a litany of player props, alt lines, some touchdown scores. Anthony Armstrong, former Washington Redskins wide receiver, joined us and gave some commentary. Thank you for watching. Best of luck on your bets this week, and I will see you next week on Friday. Take care.